Welcome to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host, Dennis Simpson, as we discuss the history, facts, people, places, events, lots more surrounding Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com. Hey, it's another episode of HSV Inside Out with my co-host, Randy Cantrell, and my good friend, Mr. Jeff Atkins. This is going to be a special episode, and we want to cover some things basically as kind of a consumer information FYI. Uh, Jeff, comment there. What are you thinking? Well, we're talking about buying tax uh, paid sales or tax sale lots in Hot Springs Village. It's something that you and I have a lot of experience with over the years, and we hopefully we can educate the public a little bit on what goes on and the recent POA action to purchase a bunch of lots from the Commissioner of State Lands, uh, maybe why that was done and what's the, what the future holds yeah, and what yeah. consumers can do um, for themselves. Randy, what does this look like to, from the outside? What do you see this as just a... Well, a, I, obviously, the three of us have had some some conversations and prior to that absolutely knew nothing so i'm kind of happy that we're doing this disclaimer none of us are attorneys you know i don't have a real estate license uh and these we're not talking about homes being sold so proceed at your own at your own risk but i think it's great because as you guys have kind of taught me uh offline from this show yeah, the, the pitfalls are very real. So there's no question that I think buyer beware. Buyer well, beware. and it just dawned on me, Jeff, between us, we have roughly 40 years. We met, and a lot of people don't know this, we met competing against each other. And, uh, you know, we, we were bidding against each other and whatever. And we had a lot of lessons to learn, I think would be a fair way to put it. And I think that this information, although not <laughs> professional information, we are not professionals in that way. I'm not a licensed professional or a licensed broker or a licensed real estate, but over the days I've bought and sold over 250 lots. I'm sure Jeff, your number is very close to that too. I would assume. Yeah. Mostly bought. (laughs) Yeah. Mostly bought. (laughs) Well, I think a lot of people, I think more than one realtor, Jeff has called you a collector. So let's just leave it at that. Shall we? Yes. Well, but to be fair, to be fair, I, I can almost guarantee there are people in the audience, much like myself, that don't even really may not even really know the proper questions to ask and the proper things to just the pitfalls that absolutely could make a dream go south really quickly. It really could. And and Jeff, I think we need to address the uh, elephant in the room here. And that is a lot of times people will say, well, I can go get a, a lot at the county for five hundred dollars. How long ago did they quit doing that, Jeff? Oh, that was back in 2009 or so. Mm-hmm. That That's been at POA, least a decade. Yeah. Those were POA foreclosure auctions. Those were POA initiated lawsuits uh, to get back lots that uh, the owner had not been paying their assessments on. Mm-hmm. Those carried a one-year right of redemption for the prior owner, but they were good titles because they were ju- judicial foreclosures uh, after that one year. And if the prior owner wanted the lot back, they reimbursed you all your costs that you'd spent on taxes or POA fees or, or anything like that. So there wasn't that much risk in those, but those, again, like you mentioned, have been stopped for quite a while now, um, basically as a money-saving 
um, option for the POA when money was tight back in 2009 or 2010. Um, but what that has done is it's let uh, lots go to the commissioner of state lands for unpaid taxes. Uh, and those are what we're mainly talking about today. And those have uh, not good titles unless you get them cleaned or uh, by either going through a legal process or uh, by contacting the prior owner and getting all the appropriate sign-offs, which can be quite a hassle, if not impossible. Yeah. So, so let's recap just to be very, I want to be very elementary and very basic here. The $500 lot with a clean title that you could go to the county and get has not been available for over a decade, yet people still think that's what you can do, right? Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of people that probably still think those go on. Yeah, yeah. So it has moved from a foreclosure by the POA for dues to a foreclosure by the state for taxes. Correct. Correct. Okay. So, and we're going to go through this process here in just a little, and it can be kind of convoluted. This is a very simplified way of saying it. Uh, and Jeff, you brought up an excellent point. Let me go ahead and share this screen here real quick. Uh, if I've got that pulled up, I do have that pulled up. Uh, Randy, you don't see that yet, do you? Not yet. Sorry, my mistake. It's all right. Keep going. Uh, share that screen and that screen and share. There we go. Okay. So, uh, and in, in we, uh, this presumes a timeline that you just quit paying your taxes. And Jeff, you brought up a good point. If you quit paying your taxes for 2019, which they would be due in 2020, then the, these four, these following events would happen. Right. Okay? This process is shorter than it used to be. It used to mm -hmm. be a little more drawn out. Um, but basically, the, uh, the lot sits at the county for a couple of years and then it gets certified what they call certified to the state. And then once the state gets it, they set an auction date um, and the property goes to auction. And you can see a nice little flow chart here of what happens. It can be sold at auction or not sold at auction. Well, let, let's, let me go back just a little. <clears throat> so from the time that you stopped paying taxes, you say, well, I moved and I didn't know that I had to, uh, yeah, you got to chuckle, Jeffrey. I love that one. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I didn't know I had to, to file an updated form. I didn't know I had to tell the county where my new address was. It's not their job to follow you down, chase you down. <clears throat> but if you stop paying your taxes for one reason or another, they will send a certified letter to the last good known address of the, of the owner because you're still the owner, but it's been certified to the state. And that process of certifying it to the state basically says the state has a claim on this property now. And unless you do something, that's going to happen. So roughly three years after there's an auction date set roughly, and those will be upcoming shortly. Uh, if, if, and the next event happens one of two ways, either the property is not sold at auction um, and Jeff, I, I'm going to just, and this, the, the, we're in a completely different world now, but I'm going to remind people what used to happen. Uh, Randy, we would have pages and pages and pages and dozens and dozens and dozens of lots that were from Hot Springs Village. And the commissioner would say, starting at the top of page 23, going to the end of page 31, any bids? Crickets, crickets, crickets. Moving on next, then he would do, because he has to do the entire county. He hasn't, they do a county at a time. <clears throat> they don't do one because there's so many for the village, they just left them. So they would actually just go through lines at a time and there would be, at the end of an auction, it wouldn't be uncommon in days past, for there to be maybe the better part of a thousand properties not sold. At now, least would these, would these mm -hmm. just be properties that people just, I don't want to fool with it anymore and I don't mind losing it or. 
I mean, let's, what's let's the circumstance go, yeah. of these? Let's go through the process. Typically, okay. Cooper would bring people out, give them a 90 minute tour, three day, two night vacation. They stayed at the Belle de Rose Hotel. Yep. They came out and a realtor showed them around and said, do you, don't you like this in this beautiful blah, 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 blah. And the basic interior lot sold for between four and $6,000 between the late eighties and the early two thousands. And Cooper would ride that for 13.6% or 13.9% interest. And they would let you pay that out. So it was very inexpensive. Well, when that was paid off and when those parents that maybe bought that died off and said, well, we're going to leave this for you, Randy, because you would love that. And you go, I've never been there. I don't remember. We went a couple of times when I was a kid, it's land, land always gets more valuable, right, Jeff? Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so they would come forth and say, they'll call a realtor, which every realtor in the village has had a thousand of these calls and probably not an exaggeration by much. Well, I want to sell my lot. Well, is it an interior lot? Is it That means, is it not a golf lot, not a lake lot, not a view lot? Is it just a plain interior lot? And most realtors would go, okay, well, we might be able to get a thousand dollars for it. And oh, by the way, the minimum commission fee is what, Jeff? Fifteen hundred. So, yeah, you're only going to pay us $500 to get rid of your lot. Got it. So, you know, when, and then when you look at the taxes and anyway, so as we go back to the flow chart here real quick, the property is not sold at auction um, or I'm sorry, the property is sold at auction. Just go over here to the right, my right. Um, the former owner is notified. I, I have a property that I haven't paid on. Jeff buys it or makes a bid on it. Uh, I get a notice from the commissioner of state lands. Jeff, what do I have? 10 days to redeem it. It's not very long. Um, it used to be like three or four months, and now it's like 10 days, I think. Yeah, it's not particularly long, maybe 30 days. And, and let's talk about what the price is. The price is the legal fees, the processing fees, the minimum uh, required. I think it used to be 20%, but they've changed that, and the taxes. So an average lot might cost you between $600 and $1,500, okay? And you well, say, well, that's dropped, not. They've dropped that 20%, Dennis. They have, haven't they? The, yes. the starting price is not as high as it used to be. Right. The starting price is now lower than it used to be. That's correct. Yeah. But but so uh, Jeff comes in and he wants to buy a property that I have <clears throat> and I get notified and I have 10 days to, re- to send money in, certified money in, get my property. It becomes uncertified. I get it back and there's no more claim on my dues, on my deed anymore. It is fully, clearly mine. Okay. Got it. Jeffrey, cover the other side. What happens if you don't sell it at auction? Well, after, oh, if it doesn't sell at auction, mm-hmm. well, I think it's about a 30 days after the auction, you're going to get a deed or they're going to um, start preparing the deeds. Oh, well, you said if it does sell, if it does sell. If it does sell. Yes, I'm yes. sorry. If it does the, sell, the, go the, ahead. Yeah. If it does sell, the buyer is going to get a deed about 30 days um, after the auction because they have to wait for that expiration of the redemption time. Um, and so at that point, you would have a limited warranty deed from the commissioner of state lands uh, that is not considered a marketable title for 15 years under current Arkansas law. Let Again, me back up, Jeff. Did you say 15 years to naturally maturate? Yes, 15 years. If you don't take under current Arkansas law, um, again, I'm not a lawyer, but you can read it yourself. Um, 15 years before it becomes a marketable title. And that doesn't necessarily mean that a title company is required to write title insurance after 15 years. It's just that under Arkansas law, it's considered a good title. So you can't necessarily get title insurance on it even after the 15 years, depending on your title company and their mood 15 years from now. Um, 
So what you have to do at that point is you have to get in touch with the prior owner. If you can, if they're still alive, if you can trace them down, if you, if you can find them because they may have moved five times from the last public address, um, or you have to go through a legal process, which typically would mean hiring a lawyer, filing a lawsuit, uh, paying the lawyer anywhere, but well, whatever, but, uh, I've got bids as low as 1500 and, and on up from there to spend the money to get a good, clear title. Now, if you're just going to use that lot so that you can come out here and have POA amenities, POA doesn't care that you don't have a marketable title. But if you want to build a house on that property or you want to sell it as a retail sell at some point in the future, you're going to want to have a marketable title. Um, well, and, and, and Jeff, just to make note, when we say build on that, that presumes that a conventional person would not pull out $300,000 or $200,000 and pay cash to get their house built from the ground up. That presumes you would go through a bank and the bank, the very first thing the bank does is they look at the chain of custody and the, I mean, the chain of title and to see if there's any clouds on that title. Yeah. And that's, that's an excellent point, Dennis. I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, you could always pay cash and build a house. Can you get a loan to build a house? Uh, that depends on the um, lender. And I would say probably not. Most lenders are not going to want to lend you money to build a house on property that you don't have a good marketable title to. Um, so yeah, you could build a house with cash, with your own money. Uh, it's at risk because you never know uh, if somebody's going to come back in future and, and put a claim on that land. Um, and there's exemptions in the law. The last time I read it, that uh, if you're overseas serving in the military uh, mentally incapacitated, things like of that nature, that you have a right to get your property back. Um, and that's the risk. That's why the title companies um, won't write title insurance on these things without you going through a legal process. Well, and let me interject one other thing. Let's say, Jeff, that this is a lot that I personally own, not in a corporation, but that I personally owned, and I let it default and you came up and bought it. Okay. From the time that I owned it to the time you buy it, I was married maybe when I owned it or, or I, yeah, Jeff's got the laugh again, or, or maybe, maybe, maybe uh, uh, Randy and I owned this lot together. So yes. Randy and his wife would have to sign off and I and my wife would have to sign off, but it was just a quit claim. We just kind of sold it over to you. And Randy said, I don't want to be on it anymore. I'll just sign a quit claim and it's all yours, Dennis. Well, if Marcia didn't sign, if, if, if Marcia didn't sign on it, it doesn't matter either. So you, we talk about going back to the last known owner. The, a title search can go back seven different, 10 different owners. And if any one of those did not sign off on that title, you still may not have clear title to it. Well, you know, as long as the title company's happy, that that's a good thing. But if mm -hmm. you're having to do the legwork yourself, um, and I'm not sure how far they actually go back, they probably get, go back to the last point that was written with title insurance. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, the, with the marriages and divorces and partnerships, uh, buying lots together, uh, you know, the first lot I owned in the village, uh, it was me and a golf buddy. So, you know, we, we were both owners of that property separately um, or together, however you want to look at it, but we were both 50% owners. Um, so there's a lot of things that can go wrong um, in getting these things cleared. And, you know, they could have an IRS lien on them. I've had lots before with an IRS lien or a lot with an IRS lien. Uh, there's, there's many things that can go wrong in this process. Um, and, well, you know, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but the POA can actually put a lien on these too, because this is not for POA dues. 
This is for tax. Well, they they can, but they they tend to in the past they've tended to release any liens that they've had on the property when you have a new owner that's paying the assessments. Mm-hmm. Um, they they tend to do that. Of course, now we haven't mentioned yet that the POA is going to want one hundred twenty five dollar transfer fee for every lot you buy. <laughs> so so there's that. Um, that's kind of new in this cycle of um, of lot values. You know, last time the lot values were up this high, there wasn't really a transfer fee that you had to worry mm-hmm. about um, or, or they didn't enforce it on these types of purchases yeah. uh, from the commissioner of state lands because they were happy to get their assessment every month um, on an ongoing basis. They so, basically got a, a lot that went back into production. As far as they, they, they got one that was productive again and they yeah. had people using the amenities again which was even more revenue. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't just the assessments, it's the revenue they get from the golf and all the other uh, activities that you might use your membership for. Yeah. So it was and, in and their interest that somebody buy this lot and start using it. Very much. Randy, did you have a question? No, no. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to move on. We're going to get to, I think, what the, uh, hopefully a lot of the viewers were actually looking and asking about is, let's say the property does not sell at auction. Let's say it goes in 30 days, it goes to a post-auction sale and I can buy it for full price or whatever. And if I can buy it for full price, why wouldn't I have bought it at the sale for full price, right? So the next step down, if you follow the little spreadsheet here, is that it's held for one year to to be purchased while it's, I'm sorry, for two years, actually, to be held at list. And in two years, it moves to the negotiated sales. A lot of people are wondering why on earth the POA bought all these lots. And I don't want to give a full disclosure of everything that we've had a discussion about. Jeff and I have been working on this for literally years now. Uh, but every one of the letter, the, the notes in the, in the, the POA notice that said for timber clearing and to secure the future of the village and to stabilize the market and all that, every one of those is exactly correct. And it's things that we've tried to talk to the POA about for years, but here's what happened. When you get to the negotiated sales this spring, there was a gentleman who was selling a course where he would show you, Randy, yes, you, Randy Cantrell, how to buy a lot at the Commissioner of State Lands, not for $14.99, but for $4.99. His course would show you how to buy a lot that you could buy for free in your own money if you just did a little reading and you could figure it out. Right, Jeff? And, and making a phone call to Commissioner of State Lands because they're very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um you may learn more on this video than uh, that guy's customers learned from his $499 course. Um, I didn't take the course, of course, um, and it's no longer, that website's no longer active, and it could have been good information. Um, but uh, that really spurred a lot of activity and a lot of purchases, it seems, or it was coincidental with the improved real estate market and other investors coming into the village that lots were disappearing from the commissioner of state lands negotiated sales list in big groups because hundreds I was a day, it. hundreds yeah. a day. You, you and I were watching it and I had bought some. So I was particularly watching it and I bought, I think 17 and I had another 30 or 40 on my radar and they were disappearing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, uh, we made that information available to the POA, you and I together, um, letting them know what was going on. And and frankly, expressing our concern that, number one, these new buyers may not be paying the POA dues, much less the transfer fees. Right. And, and, you know, that's something that you and I can't see. And it's really not 
our, our business on a day-to-day basis to know who's current and who's behind, but just letting the POA know, hey, you've got a lot of people buying lots. They knew people were buying lots because they were getting notified from the commissioner of state lands, but they, it appears that they weren't getting the associated revenue. And then that's when they took the action that they took um, to purchase the 2,115 lots that were all of the lots that were left on the negotiated sales list uh, because they just couldn't have uh, these things out there in the wild um, and not paying assessments. They were sitting at commissioner of state lands. They weren't paying assessments, but they could always go get them or somebody could buy them like myself or you that would start paying assessments. But when we had people going in and buying them in large groups that weren't going to pay the assessments, that wasn't a good option. That was bad. Actually, I'm sorry, Jeff. I actually was reading some social media and I've seen this and I've actually had firsthand knowledge of this. Uh, there was a couple that was from Brazil that had bought hundreds, hundreds. And, you know, hundreds is easy when you don't have to pay $125 transfer fee and you don't have to pay, you know, $39 a month. And you're, 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 you're basically look back at the top of the list. If you paid $150 for one of these lots, well, guess what? You've got another six years before it goes back in negotiated sales again, before you have to pay a dime. That's true. If they don't pay the assessments, then the POA's only option at this point is a judicial foreclosure. Which is expensive. Wait, which, which is expensive. Uh, we, they used to average $750 or $800 back in 2008, uh, the last time they were really doing it actively. Um, so it's expensive for the POA to do a judicial foreclosure. Um, so that's they can do the judicial foreclosure or they can wait another six years till it's back on the negotiated or, you know, they could wait another three years. And that's assuming the people don't pay the taxes mm-hmm. because they could pay the taxes. They could pay the eight dollars in taxes and not pay the assessments. Mm-hmm. And they then their only option is judicial foreclosure. Yeah. So, so the, the POA so then again has thousands of properties that are not performing, that are not even in their control. Yeah. And that, that's a bad situation. If if they're not going to be performing, they might as well be at the POA mm-hmm. or with an entity that is friendly to the POA as opposed to an entity that um, may even not be in the United States and doesn't mm-hmm. care a bit about Hot Springs Village. All they care about is flipping the property. Mm-hmm. So those two thousand exactly. those two thousand plus lots were all on the negotiated list. So they had yes, all sir. they had already been a year or two on the at list. And had oh. already moved down to the negotiated list. Right. Most right. of them originally went to auction in the 2013-2014 time frame. That was when, that was okay. when NRPI quit paying their taxes, which NRPI was National Recreational Properties. Uh, and that's when they quit paying their taxes and, P- and they had quit paying their POA dues long before that. And so there was just this glut of lots that came through the market. And, you know, there were some good ones. There were some golf course lots. There were some view lots. There were some lake lots. But not the, not the, by far and away, not the bulk of them in any way. Yeah. And, and just to, to um, expand on that point, uh, NRP and the people that took over their properties on their some successors. of the lots, they, yeah, successors, they hadn't paid the taxes before that because we picked up some lots in 2013, 2014 um, that were already at the Commissioner of State Lands. They had already gone through the auction and nobody had bid on them. Um, and so uh, this has been going on. I mean, the real estate market crashed in 2008. So it's been going on since then. It's been a developing thing. And it just came to a head this year because for the first time, 
the lots have some value again mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> since that time because uh, they, you know, how, how much is an interior lot with a bad title worth? Well, back three years ago, it wasn't worth very much. Today it is. If it's got it, you can get the title cleaned up and, and it, it could be worth something. Uh, but keep in mind that also the reason that a lot of these went to the commissioner of state lands, the reason that people didn't pay the taxes to start with is they couldn't sell them because they weren't good lots. If they could sell the lot or even give away the lot um, as an individual, they wouldn't have let it go for taxes or POA dues or anything else. They would have sold it even in a bad market. But some of these things are very steep. Uh, some of these lots are low. Some of these lots have uh, just uh, not in a good spot. They'll be in a dip or, or whatever. So you need to be very careful about the individual property. Uh, the thing I would say is, you know, for somebody that's a homeowner in Hot Springs Village, if the lot next to you is available, that might be in your interest to go pick it up. I've done that before. I, I picked up a, a, a lot next to a rental property that I own for no other reason than I own the house next to it and to can kind of control who my neighbor was. So right now it won't be anybody. But, but um, I, I want to make note also, some of those roads aren't paved. Some of the lots are highly irregular. I, I want to go back to something here, Jeff, and we've covered this on other shows, but the viewers may not have seen this. I want to make this explicitly clear. There is no such thing as an unbuildable lot in the village. <laughs> Mr. Cooper was an attorney. He did not like to get sued. He did not like the EPA breathing down his neck. He did not like lawsuits. Every lot is buildable. Jeff, for one, I can give an example. Jeff has a 5.3 acre lot on an unpaved road not far from here. That is gorgeous. And if you have a billy goat that has his legs, two, two, two legs shorter than the other, it's a perfect lot for you. But now, the reason it's a 5.3 acre lot is because there is one, and I express one buildable home site on that lot. If you've got a third acre lot, there's one buildable home site on there. If you've got a five acre lot, there's one buildable home site on that. So that was kind of Cooper's criteria. Well, Cooper did make the lots that were steep bigger so that you could have some options for building. Uh, actually, the, the one you're talking about, Dennis, is not quite as bad uh, as you say. That was. Are we talking about the same lot, Jeff? I think so. Uh, <laughs> I, I think so because those lots all in that area are all five acres, but they are yeah. rough. They're 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 undulated. They're they're hilly. Um, they would require require some work. But uh, you know, the thing is, they're all buildable if you're willing to spend the money to build. And in 1975, it was a lot cheaper to build on a steep lot than it is in 2021 with material cost. Well, and, and to, inter- to interrupt one more time, Valina and, and many of the hill sites up here, they are steep, steep, steep. And, and the lots are $25,000 and $30,000, but you've got a million dollar view after you build your house. Right. So, but your the, point being that it was less to build back then, very, very well put. And that's another key. It's one thing to build on a steep lot and you have a view when you get done with it mm-hmm. versus building on a steep lot that's not going to have a view. So there, there's two versions of steep. There's a good steep and a bad steep. Um, and But they're all expensive to build today. And the home builders want to build on flat lots. They want to put in um, slabs. They don't want to do any of the block and pier work that Cooper used to do. Um, they just don't. They, they want to put down a slab and be done with it because it's the cheapest way to build. Mm-hmm. Jeff, didn't we have a builder tell us the other day that for every layer of block, it was about another $3,000? Yeah, it was something in that range. It really surprised me. Yeah, I was I was really kind of startled. Now, obviously, you don't need the same layer of block because many of the lots, as you say, are undulating here in the village. But, you know, you got to go up three blocks. There's ten thousand dollars for the better part, you know. Right. And that doesn't really increase the value of the house when you're done. 
Exactly. Especially if you're building a spec house. One of the builders told me that one time when you build a spec house, nobody cares that you put $50,000 worth of foundation work. They just look at the top part of the house and go, well, this is nice. You know? Right. Uh, let's go ahead. We want to wrap this up now. And thanks everyone for joining so much, but we want to go back. I want to reemphasize this again. I cannot say this enough. Do not settle online. And Jeff, we spoke about this yesterday. There are two components of a sale. What are the two components and why do they need to be handled at a title company? Well, yeah, in our discussion, well, we, we were trying to figure this out. And what we really boil down to is you want a title company to handle the closing because you don't want to be sending money out until you get the deed. And, and so you want an intermediary there to that gets the deed from the seller and that you give the cash to and makes that trade for you um, in a controlled environment. You're not just sending a money order to some address. And I'll give you a really good example is I had a individual that sold a lot that I owned and gave people a deed for a lot that he didn't own. Back up, back up. You had an individual that sold a lot that you owned Correct. as if he owned it. As if he owned it. And he gave the people a deed to that property. And um, according to the U.S. Postal Inspector, when we got in touch with legal authorities at some point, somehow, I don't remember, it's been years ago, um, he informed me that the notary stamp that was used on the deed was a forgery. So uh -huh. it, it was a classic scam of, of selling somebody else's lot. Now, did he realize that he no longer owned the lot? Because he hadn't owned the lot for several years. It had gone through one of those POA foreclosures we talked about. That you um, purchased after. Yeah. So you had a clear title. It, exactly. And I think it was actually the county that, that contacted me and said, what's going on here? Because this guy filed a deed against your lot and he doesn't own it. And that's how wow. we got started. So you got to be very careful. So that's the first thing is you want that intermediary to handle the closing, the trading of the money for the deed. But the second thing is what's most important is the title search. You want to know that you have clear title to it. And then associated with that is the title insurance that you get associated with the, a clean title search. And how much does that cost, Jeff? A couple hundred bucks? Well, it depends on who you go through um, and uh, you know whether which title company it is. Some of them charge more for the search and nothing for the insurance. And some of them just kind of roll it all up together. Um, so it just depends on who you're dealing with. But okay. it's in the range of $150 to $250. Uh, it does matter what the purchase price is to some degree, but mostly a title search has a flat cost associated with it because it's a certain amount of work. And whether you paid 10,000 or 20,000 doesn't really matter. Uh, only the insurance part of that is variable because of the, the increased value of the coverage. You know, just and like and it's actually within range. I mean, most times yeah. when people write title insurance, they write it for $150,000, which is like a bare minimum house, right? So well, the title comp policy is only going to cover you for your purchase cost, to my understanding. Okay. Um, okay. If, if you if you read them, they it, it appears that they only again not a lawyer, but it appears it only covers you for your cost. Uh, it doesn't matter the value. Right. Well, and I want to make note one other thing here, real quick, is that many times for those of you who had stay tuned to the end of this program so far, thank you. Uh, number one, a lot of times in the what we call the real world, uh, people will search back to abstract. I mean, we'll literally go back to Lewis and Clark. You know, that's not uncommon outside the village because Cooper has a very clear title in 1970 when they purchased all this. That's not a question. So they will search back to 70 and go, OK, we're good. You know, we don't have to go back to 1772 or whatever, you know. So uh, but the title company to reiterate the 15th time, a title company for closing 
and title company for 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 title insurance. There is no way around that. Well, I tell you what, Joe, if you'll send me, I know we've got this listed for 8,000, but if you'll just go ahead and send me that cashier's check for six today, we don't even have to go through closing. It's easy. Just just send it on down and, and we'll send you a warranty deed, a warranty deed, Jeff. And what does that mean? It means the paper it's written on if it has nothing standing behind it. Right. The, the warranty deed is only as good as the person who issues it or the corporation that issues it. That's correct. Randy, any other questions? Have we, have we run you over today? No, no. I just, I, it, like I said at the outset, I mean, for me, it, it clearly has been a story of man buyer beware mm-hmm. because you can, you can hop on Zillow. You can hop on any of these kind of sites and you can find really dirt cheap sure. lots, uh, maybe completely legit, but maybe. Yeah. man, if I, they're completely know, legit, they will not have a problem closing at a title company. Yeah, that Jeff, was gonna... would you agree? Yeah, that they won't have a problem with that. That'll be a good idea to them. Uh, if they're not, the you just go ahead and send that check. That that's okay. We we we'll, we'll cut the price and we can work something out. And don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So honestly, we're just trying to keep you from getting stuck uh, and and buying something that. And Jeff, you said fifteen hundred. I've heard quotes between twenty five hundred and thirty five hundred per lot. Uh, to clean a to clean a title, so fifteen hundred would be a bare bare minimum, I would say. Uh, and and by the way, set aside about six to seven months for that process. Yeah, it takes a little while. Yeah. Well, if there's no other questions for Randy and Dennis and Jeff, thank you so much for joining us at Hot Springs Village Inside Out this week. And if you have any questions, just go ahead and email us at the link on the page. If you want to come make any comments, we're happy to have that too. But for Dennis Simpson, Randy Cantrell, and Mr. Jeff Atkins, thanks again. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a podcast where Hot Springs Village, Arkansas is the star. Please subscribe to the podcast. You can do that by visiting our website, hsvinsideout.com, and tell a friend.